The Lineout with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Jet off to Rome next year to watch Italy v Scotland. Score two free tickets to the Six Nations at Motorpoint Glasgow. Just two minutes from Junction 3 off the M74. Love music. Live sport. The Lineout with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Good evening, uh, Rocksport Radio Wednesday evening. That means it's time for me, Lewis Stewart, with this week's edition of the Line Out, your guide to everything that is going on in Scottish rugby and this week as well in international rugby because the one thing we can't do even although it is mostly a programme about Scottish rugby, is ignore the Rugby World Cup, which continues to go on without us out in Japan. It all comes to a head, of course, on Saturday morning UK time, evening Japan time, in Yokohama, when England and South Africa will play what promises to be a absolutely stonking, intense physical battle, whether there's much rugby played, is something that we will have to wait to see. And then of course the night before, also in Yokohama, well, the morning before in the UK, uh, then Wales will have taken on New Zealand, thereby giving Warren Gatland, the Wales head coach, a final chance to get that elusive win over his home nation as Wales coach. He has, of course, uh, got wins over New Zealand as a Lions coach, uh, but and he drew the series out there, but he hasn't got one as a Wales coach, and that is really one big hole from his point of view in his CV. Both the teams were announced today, Wales making nine changes, but then since they only had 26 fit players to pick their squad of 23 from, it really was more a case of last man standing than any particular tactical choices or insight by Gatland. And in response, the Steve Hansen, the New Zealand coach, has made seven changes, but he's gone all sentimental and picked most of the players who are about to give up on international rugby, giving them a final hurrah in the All Blacks shirt before they head off to whatever comes next in their careers. In some cases, is going off chasing big bucks in Europe and Japan. In other cases, it is genuinely going to be retirement. Uh, the other news of the week, World Cup related, has been that fine handed out to England uh, for the way that they reacted to the Haka. Now, it is not, as has inaccurately been reported in some quarters, that they formed a V formation. The problem with it was that they crossed the halfway line, which is specifically banned in the regulations. But it was still an intriguing moment. And even Steve Hansen in his press conference this morning out in Japan was saying it was a moment of great theatre, a moment of imagination from the English. And certainly the All Blacks didn't think it was any shape or form insulting. In fact, they thought it was an imaginative response and the kind of thing that you've got to do in response to the hacker to show that you are actually accepting the challenge that the All Blacks are putting down. Owen Farrell, the England captain, however, did get a chance to explain what he thought it was supposed to be all about. We knew we had to be in a, within a radius uh, behind them and we wanted, we wanted to, to not just stand there and let, and let them come at us. Um, we wanted to keep a respectful distance 
and and be and be respectful to that. But um, we didn't want to just stand in a in a flat line, letting them come at us. Owen Farrell, the England captain, explaining what they were trying to achieve with that V formation, which has got them into a certain amount of trouble. Not so much for the formation itself, but because there were players over the halfway line, and that is explicitly banned in the World Cup rules. A bit petty, possibly, but thems is the rules. It's all part, of course, of the psychological battle between big teams like that, as Eddie Jones, the coach, explained. New Zealand wide. God, so they got a rugby. So we had to take it to them. We wanted to take it to them. We wanted to show that we could, we could take it, take the game to them. Um, try to put them on the back foot as much as we could. Well, I think the psychological approach to any game is increasingly becoming important. Um, there's so little difference between the teams and your ability to try to understand what gives them energy and try to take that away from them. And then with your own team, what gives, what gives us energy, what, what makes us play to our strengths. And then you have to be disciplined enough to follow that. And I thought Owen and the leaders on the field today were absolutely exceptional, that they kept the team disciplined, kept to our game plan, kept attacking where we thought New Zealand was weak and, and didn't, didn't uh, divert from there. Eddie Jones, and of course the reward for that single-minded determination is undoubtedly their place in the final on Saturday morning. From the New Zealand point of view, did that hacker confrontation make any difference? Well, Kieran Reid, their captain, didn't think so. Uh, in regards to the hacker, it had no impact in, in the game. I think you know that's what they wanted to do, that's what they did. Um, and... To, you know, they, as Steve said, they dominated that breakdown. Their guys did a fantastic job. Um, we couldn't get quick ball, and that's the difference for us. You know, when it got slowed down, we couldn't couldn't work into our game, and and we're just chasing. So, you know, they did a good job there. Here and read the All Blacks captain on how it wasn't the hacker confrontation; it was a breakdown battle that cost his side the chance to play in the final, and they'll be off to the third, fourth place game instead. Which, as Steve Hansen, the coach, pointed out, doesn't really come as any sort of consolation after a result like that. Yeah, the boys are desperately hurting, as are the management. You know, you put a lot of time and effort and energy into trying to come to win the thing. Um, but, as I said, you know, if you don't achieve what you want what, what you, you want to do, you have to put your big boy pants on and stand up and be counted. You know, and, and uh, it doesn't stop you from hurting. It just means that, you know, you, you've got to accept the f that, that what's been chucked at you, and sometimes sports does that to you, you know, and they're a good team, so there's no there's no shame in getting beaten by them. Uh, there's a lot of hurt in it, and, you know, that, that, that hurt, uh, or adversity, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that, will, will feed a, a lot more All Black teams in the future, so... We'll find one positive out of it. Steve Hansen, there's nothing quite like an angry All Black forgetting his own back, so they better watch out in four years' time.
The following day, we then saw Wales take on South Africa, with South Africa kicking a late penalty to break the deadlock and go through to the final in a game that had a lot more tension than the first match, but none of the rugby fireworks. It was a much more inferior match all round. And Raziam Rasmus, the South African coach, accept that his team are going to have to change things if they going to beat England in the final? Yes, you know, um, I think we're a team that's been together for 24 days, 25 days matches. Um, you know, uh, when we have personnel changes like a guy like Cebu coming in uh, and we do play teams with different styles, uh, we're we still in a phase where we suddenly have to adapt. If we play a team like New Zealand with a fast running game, we're used to that. If we play a team like Wales who was a kicking long distance kicking game, it's it's different for us to try and run from our own uh, 22 and so on. So, um, yes, I think he's right. There's definitely some areas in our game which must improve if we want to win. Uh, but we've given ourselves a chance. Uh, we've played England four times in the last um, 18 months. I think it's too all. Um, uh, yeah, it is too all. Uh, the two test, three test matches in South Africa and then the last one at Twickenham. So we are accustomed with the way they play. Um, they obviously um, are much better than when we last played them, and you could see it when the way they dismantled New Zealand. Um, but you know, we think we're in with a chance. We've got a six-day turnaround. Um, I'm not 100% sure if a World Cup final is going to be won by a very expansive game plan with wonderful tries. It might be. I might be wrong. Uh, but uh, I think we, we'll go and the grinded out route. So, listening to Razi Erasmus there, possibly not that many changes. They still back the physicality of that large, hard bunch of forwards to do the job. And they certainly did a number on Wales. It was an unfortunate way for Alan Wynne-Jones to start bringing the curtain down on a truly outstanding international career for the Wales captain. On the scene since 2006, winning 133 Wales caps plus nine tests for the Lions to make him the most capped player in Northern Hemisphere rugby. Rivaled only by Sergio Parise, the Italian captain, who also bowed out at this World Cup for longevity of service and the number of caps that he has won. And certainly a bronze final was not the way that he had envisaged finishing his career. Hurting, obviously disappointed. Um, but we've still got an opportunity, um, you know, obviously selection dependent as it always is, um, to make a bit of history, um, another opportunity like I say, oh, we've got we've got that um, as, as a sticking carrot if you like, um, there's, there's no real consolation in anything, but you know, it is what it is, we move on, we make the most of the next opportunity to, to put this red jersey on that means so much, not only to the group of 31 we've got, but to the nation back home and, and you know, the support that we've had from uh, around the globe. Adam Wynne-Jones, the Wales captain, already building his troops up for the effort that they're going to have to produce in that bronze final. And if they do win, it would not only be the best performance by Wales in the World Cup, but it would be the best performance by any of the Celtic nations. Scotland and Wales have both been to semi-finals. They both lost their semi-finals. And in the two Wales 
bronze playoffs and the one that Scotland played they lost that as well so third place would be the best that they have managed Ireland of course have never been past the quarterfinals so it's also a sign-off game for Warren Gatland the head coach who has been there since 2008 and achieved some pretty remarkable things with Wales so I'll leave the final word with him on what the match means it's a tough game to play that third and fourth playoff but you've got to go out there and um, give it the respect that it deserves and go out there and um, and do the best you can to try and win it. Yeah, for me, look, it's um, my last game in charge of Wales against the All Blacks will be um, hugely monumental. I mean, it's, as a coach, it's the apart from being with the Lions, you know, it's the only team I haven't been with Wales, so uh, it would be nice to be able to achieve that and then to look with some excitement about the challenges ahead for me and going back, uh, coaching back in New Zealand with uh, with the Chiefs and um, and then back to um, the Lions uh, for you know 12 months or so and try and uh, have some revenge on uh, tonight's um, game against South Africa. So we weren't able to do it tonight, but uh, maybe in a couple of years with the Lions we'll be able to do that. Warren Gatlin finishing off that bit about the Rugby World Cup. Uh, of course, he is coming back for the Lions. He does have a season coaching the Chiefs in New Zealand in, uh, down at Hamilton. Uh, but he will be back with the Lions in a couple of years. And, of course, they do have South Africa. So I suppose there would be some sort of symmetry if South Africa managed to win the tournament at the weekend. So I've got to admit that if the performances in the semi-finals are anything to go by, then there is only one winner of this tournament. And that is going to be that bunch of guys from south of Hadrian's Wall. Quick ad break. I'll be back with a little bit more about the tournament. The Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Convert your rugby skills into two free tickets to the six nations in Rome. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today and take part in their conversion challenge. Just two minutes from Junction 3 of the M74. Christine from Hull was persuaded by Lloyds Bank to talk to a financial advisor and ended up making an investment which lost money. She asked Goodwin Barrett for help and received £6,900 in compensation. Christine is just one of the hundreds of people who Goodwin Barrett have helped. So if a bank or financial advisor persuaded you to make an investment which lost money, then text GOOD to 6677. Text GOOD to 6677 now. Goodwin Barrett. Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages, so we can turn this into this. Hello! Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. At Lidl's Monster Market, we're big on spooktacular Halloweens. Big on the ghastliest pumpkins from 65p and costumes from 499. Spooky. Big on ghoulish treats from 49p. How nice. Now that's big on quality. And always little on price subject to availability selected stores only excludes ni love music live sport the line out with lewis stewart on rock sport radio 
Welcome back to the second part of the programme. Before the break, we were talking about the Rugby World Cup. I'm going to stick with that topic for a short while. Now, those of you who are regular listeners do remember that I was actually out in Japan for most of the tournament and it must admit that it was a good tournament mostly thanks to the organization of the japanese side of it and the sheer enthusiasm the unbridled enthusiasm of the japanese population and i suppose eventually the quality of the rugby picked up to the sort of level that made it a worthwhile tournament but that is not to say that it has not been with a tournament without issues not least the confusion and the apparent lack of planning over the typhoon that hit the final weekend of the pool stage. Scotland got away with it. Their game against Japan was actually played. But the response of World Rugby to simply cancel games that might have affected not only the outcome of the pool stage, but the outcome of the whole tournament, was simply one that I don't think should be allowed to stand. Undoubtedly, it tarnished the competition itself. And it wasn't just the rugby side of it as well, there was personal side of it too. You heard somebody like Leonardo Giraldini, the Italy captain, uh, sometimes captain, and his other captain, Sergio Parisi, both complaining bitterly that they'd been deprived of the chance to go out of the competition playing against the All Blacks. While from a Scottish point of view, DTH van der Merf, who plays for Glasgow Warriors, although he does actually represent Canada, was another player affected when his game against Namibia, which may not sound like a big deal, but it was going to be his final match and his opportunity to actually go out of the World Cup on a winning note. So he is now back with Glasgow. So when I caught up with him, that was the first question, really. How much of a regret was it for him? A massive disappointment not being able to play that first or that last game. Um, you, you look back at the World Cup and you prepare you know kind of the weeks or months beforehand and you, you know your you, you know what your schedule is like for the World Cup and you know everything you want to be is peaking for that last game um, and you know I think we're we were, we're getting in a, although we lost the first three games you know we're, we're never expected to win but uh, we were, we're getting to a, a good place where we can attack and uh, we wanted to have a shot against Namibia and uh, and I'm sure they would have been in the same in the same boat so there's two two sides with massive disappointment and a way to end a, a lot of guys careers you know a lot of guys were retired usually retires after World Cup as as for myself as well and um, but you know oh, personally I am disappointed but at the same time it's more it's not it's not just about me it's about my team and and Canada winning and um, but then on top of that I would have you know liked to be part of that the team to you know get Canada a win. What sort of state do you think you leave Canada in? Is it better than when you started all those years ago or do you think they've gone backwards? Um, no I think we've probably gone backwards um, We've just we've missed a gap of, of develop, development. I think um, it was it was probably the year just before I um, moved over to the West Coast. We had a Pacific Pride program, which was an under twenty three program. Um, so all the guys who are you know the year year older than me and up 
you know, about six, seven years older, um, where guys who went through this program, which is high, in, high intensity training and playing together as a group of guys and, you know, working on core skills and weightlifting and all that kind of stuff. And we, we moved away from that with Canada, a way of development, uh, moved away from it. Um, and I feel like, you know, I was the first one to miss out on it, but my experiences came maybe from, from elsewhere with South Africa, being born in South Africa and so on. But now, I think the, the future, you know, there's a possibility of, of, of the future, you know, being brighter for Canada. Um, we have reinstated that program again with Jamie Cudmore, um, from, who's obviously world-renowned for, for his physical rugby. Um, he's in charge of that. So he can pick about, I don't know, 34 to 40 guys um, to train up. And oh, they're all going to be terrified of him. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be terrified, but I think uh, hopefully uh, hopefully these, ki these, these I guess, kids, yeah, you know, um, coming out of school would, um, you know, look up to Jamie and, and want to, to be a type of player, inspiration like he is. Well, I suppose the thing about the World Cup is the way it finished was a desperate disappointment, but you did get to see why it finished that way uh, with the game being called off, and that gives you a sense of perspective about where rugby stands in the bigger note scale of things. Yeah, they, like um, there's always, you know, rugby's always been said to, to be, uh, um, it's obviously a great sport, but it's more than more than just a, a game, you know. There's there's people whose lives were at risk and people who lost their lives in, in, in Japan. So it's, it's, we are disappointed about, about not playing and finishing the way we wanted to, but, you know, a bigger picture is there's, there's people who needed help and and uh, and you don't want to put more people in danger by being selfish and saying, well, we want to play this game and need to play this game type of thing. So I think the right decision was ultimately made. Disappointment, yes, but uh, right decision. And you did go out and help. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, had to see it for myself just to to see what it was like in the community, and and because you want to help as well, um, you know, the Japanese culture is just a, it's so brilliant. It's, it's the first time I ever visited there. I absolutely loved it. Um, they couldn't have done more for, for myself and for the team. I think the World Cup has been a massive success. They, there's not a single thing I can think of that they didn't think of to you know for, to help you prepare. You, you the facilities were there next to none, like um, and your food and you know you name it. The hotels, everything was brilliant. So you know you're just trying to give back a little bit to to the excitement that was building in Japan. And it just felt the welcome you got there. Just it felt so genuine. Mm -hmm. You go to places and people smile at you and say hello, but actually you do feel welcome in Japan. These people were. It's like you know when you walk into a house and you've you've got a pet like a dog and and uh, and you walk back from work and the dog is just so excited. That's mm. just the excitement of everyone in that in Japan. Everyone is just beyond excited to to meet to see people. You know when walking through train stations in the city, you get stopped for photos and autographs and you know you go to school visits and there's 700 kids. You know because they're so disciplined, they stand behind a line and they won't step over the line, but they're screaming their faces off with Canada flags and. Um, you know the excitement and through the whole from from youngsters all the way to the adults was just immense and uh, such a great experience which must be a great reminder as to why you want to play rugby just uh, to experience things like that yeah 100% and and for me especially at an older age you you want to give back and i think um, if you can inspire you know a handful of people at you know at this stage of, of your career um, it's it's all worth it for me and then you come back to scotland and uh, you got another firefighting job to do here as well <laughs> um, yeah not quite i, I think um, <laughs> Obviously, there's um, 
there's a lot of people speaking about our, our kind of performances so far, but I, um, we're, we're a strong team and uh, we've still got guys filtering back in from the World Cup, so we're just going to keep building from that and I'm sure we'll be fine in the, in this, by the end of the season. But you must have a degree of frustration to take out on teams like the Kings who are coming up this weekend, that uh, you know your own frustrations from the World Cup, from Canada's performances and from Glasgow's performances. I think, um, no, frustration would probably be more coming from uh, from just from last year when we got beat in in, um, in South Africa by the Kings, so that's something that you know you know got to put right. And um, now they're coming to our patch, and um, you know we just got to play our game, focus on ourselves, not worry about what they're doing too much. Um, obviously, you look at their key players and try and shut them down, but it's more about us this weekend. But you were available last weekend, didn't get a game, but uh, must be looking forward just to getting your boots on and running around in the park again. Yeah, no, I can't wait. Uh, obviously, the biggest difference <laughs> is just the weather here. It's about 30 degrees different to to. Um, to Japan's, but um, no, I can't wait to be back. Cause, you know, Scotland's such a, a special place to play, and, and the fans and families that come come out and support us is, is great. And is this your last season here? Um, Possibly contracted season, but um, you know, I'd like to stay on um, if the club wants to give me. Indeed. So hopefully mm-hmm. negotiations are well underway. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully Nathan comes to the table. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to. I love the city. I love this club. You know, it's been part of my life for, from the start. And I had a bit of a sabbatical to leave, and um, but no, I'd love to just continue playing here. And you know, I've obviously stepped aside from Canadian rugby now and just focus on, on my club game. Oh, that will be somewhere to go. Keep you go- keep you occupied for the next year or two. Yeah, for but, sure, for sure. But only then heading off firefighting, which will be uh, yeah. an interesting development. Yeah, I think uh, the great thing about firefighting is it's always going to be there. You know, I've got my qualifications. Um, um, I'd have to go through all the processes when I get back to Canada someday, but um, it's a job that's, that's always going to be there and, and you can only play rugby once when you're young. So I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can this last few years. DTH van der Merve reflecting on all things past, present and future. But I think the important thing is, as far as Glasgow fans are concerned, is that he is likely to be in the team this weekend when they play the Southern Kings. So back with a bit more about this after this quick break. The Lineout with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Just get the ball over the post at Motorpoint Glasgow's Conversion Challenge to win two tickets to the Six Nations. Find them just two minutes from Junction 3 off the M74. Six out of every ten UK businesses could be paying too much for their energy. That's because 60% of UK businesses haven't changed energy supplies in the past three years. At Love Energy Savings, we make switching to a better deal fast and easy because we do it all for you. See if you could start making significant savings on your business energy bills now. Text SAVE to 6677. Text SAVE to 6677 now and love those business energy savings. And now, before the next programme, a short poem written and read for you today by the celebrated poet Trevor Jones, simply called Life. Who knows what it really means? Means, means. Means. Beans. Oh, delicious Heinz beans on piping hot buttered toast. Now that's poetry. Dreaming of the unique taste of Heinz beans makes it better. 
At Motorpoint, we put the super into car supermarket. We're here to save the day with a choice of over 7,000 low mileage, nearly new cars. Find your next car in a flash with our lightning fast service and same day drive away. Plus with Motorpoint's price pledge, if you find the same car for less, we'll match the price and give you a 50 pound Amazon voucher. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today, just two minutes from junction three of the M74. T's and C's apply, see website for details. Love music, live sport. The Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking with DTH Van der Merve about all things, including Glasgow, who are back in action this weekend at Scotston, taking on the Southern Kings from Port Elizabeth in South Africa in a game that they really have to win. Last week, however, if you were with me then, you'll remember that a lot of the talk was about the speculation that Dave Rennie, the head coach, was heading off to take charge of Australia. So I thought I would start this little section by actually playing you Dave Rennie himself on the subject. Yeah, it's a few things. Yeah, so definitely. I'm, I'm, uh, probably the easiest way to clarify this is, I know there's lots of speculation is all sorts of stuff written in the media that have already signed that are done the have it. You know, people have been informed and all this sort of stuff. None, none of that's accurate. So um, I haven't signed, and um, I will definitely be here till the end of this season, so which is end of June. Well, all I'm telling you is that I haven't signed, and I'm here to the end of the season. Dave Rennie reassuring fans that he's here to the end of the season, which, of course, doesn't mean that he isn't going to Australia. It's perfectly possible to do both. Australia's next test isn't until a fortnight after the Pro 14 season is over. So there is no real obstacle to him completing his contract with Glasgow and then moving at the end of it. And, of course, the Australia job is won. Obviously, it's an international job that would interest him. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've had these discussions before, so yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess what I'm implying is you know, there's lots of talk about this and I'm already committed, that, you know, but uh, I don't know, there's just a lot of speculation as there has been for months. Regardless of what happens to me beyond the season, I'm here for the full season. So that's important to me. I've committed the, the Warriors and... Uh, I won't leave um, earlier. Dave Rennie reaffirming his commitment for the season, but not any commitment beyond. And I'll just add that the one thing he also was quizzed about was whether he was taking Matt Taylor, the Scotland defence coach, with him. And he said that was speculation, which doesn't rule it out, but also doesn't rule it in. Now, as I said, the uh, they do play the Kings this weekend, and that is a game against a team that beat them last season, one of the very few teams that beat them last season. So his assistant, Kenny Murray, was asked whether that makes them one of the bogey teams for Glasgow. Well, I certainly didn't play well against them last year. Um, I just, I mean, I, I'm, I've been doing the, the sort of review, looking at a preview, looking at them. You know, they're. You look at their, their attack stats this year, they're pretty good. You know, they've played some hard teams. They've already scored 10 tries um, this season. Um, the Eight of those 10 tries have been from line-out, so they're a very strong line-out team. They, they attack well, they've got a good drive, but they also they attack well off the line-out, whether it's a bust or a dry play. So, 
yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Like, you know, they've I think they scored 30 points at the weekend, 30 points at the weekend. So, I mean, I said that to the boys today, just when we're doing some clarity work. This this will be a real tough game for us this week. And um, we feel our attack can put them under a lot of pressure, and they're obviously conceding a lot of points, but. For me, defensively, we're going to have to beat our best because they're going to pose a lot of threats. They've got, they've got big men, they're strong, they're physical, but at the same time, they've then got the, the speedsters out wide, um, particularly is it Bander and at full, Bander at fullback. He's a real threat, um, so yeah, it's going to be tough. Final ad break, back with some new development on the Super 6 front. The Lineout with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Jet off to Rome next year to watch Italy v Scotland. Score two free tickets to the Six Nations at Motorpoint Glasgow. Just two minutes from Junction 3 off the M74. At Lidl's Monster Market, we're big on spooktacular Halloweens. Big on the ghastliest pumpkins from 65p and costumes from 4 dollars Spooky. Big on ghoulish treats from 49p. How nice. Now that's big on quality. And always Lidl on price. Subject to availability. Selected stores only. Excludes NI. Ah, the great British roast. When mobiles are set aside, the TV goes off, the family comes together, and everything stops. For the perfect roast, only Bisto Best Gravy will do. Made with real meat juices for that authentic, rich roasted flavour. <laughs> ah, Bisto. We've been together three years. We both love travel, and luckily we've got the same taste in music. Next year, we're planning a big road trip, and my wife's coming too. It'll be nice. The three of us don't do enough together. We know how much your Mini means to you. That's why Mini Service offers an array of convenient options and allows you to book online anytime at mini.co.uk. Because we love your Mini almost as much as you do. Search Mini Service. Who's in? T's and C's apply subject to availability, participating retailers only. Love music. Live sport. The Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Welcome back to the final part of the programme and I promised the before the break that I was going to change topic completely. Time to have a quick look at what's going to be happening not this weekend but the weekend afterwards when the Super 6 kicks off at Muir. Now Super 6 has been a project long in the development and I've got to confess that during the World Cup I kind of took my eye off the ball a little bit so to help me explain what has been going on I got hold of Sean Nanine who is the man in charge at the SRU of the whole project and started off by asking him to bring me up to date. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, the Super 6, they, um, each team now has this 35-strong uh, player list. Uh, they all have their backroom staff all sorted now, which is, again, is a big part of a, a head coach's role. Um, they have uh, played already a number of uh, pre-season games to see, to see where they are. That's quite exciting for them. Um, we have a television deal, we have a sponsor, uh, we have a, a trophy, um, we have the cross-border games all sorted now, three home, three away. Uh, so all in all, it's, uh, it has moved on, and now we're not far away to the beginning of, of the season, 8th of November, uh, at Bermuda and make it land against Sterling. And when you look at it, how good are the teams going to be, given what you'd expected before the whole thing kicked off? Yeah, I think I think you know it, it's, it's not going to be, you know, an all black side, all black sides in, in year one or two. I think it'll take a little bit to build uh, the, the strengths of the squads, but we we needed to start somewhere. And I think having the number of teams, the six as the number, is the right number at the moment. Um, 
you know, there have been some really interesting results pre-season, you know, but that's where we need to see where these where these teams are. Uh, who knows whether we can build up on the teams in, in years to come. But yeah, you've got to give it a couple of years. Uh, we've, it's going to be a real challenge uh, playing cross-border against the Welsh teams. Um, we've already had a couple of games against Newcastle. Harriets have played Newcastle and found found them quite quite tough, but that's what you what you want. And as we always said, it is about challenging and developing um, our players in a, a high level of competition and our coaches as well, challenging them their full time, challenging them to come up with ways of playing the game, the Scottish way, obviously, and uh, you know, and, and enjoying that challenge as well, and looking at, at ways to uh, to win matches and be be very very competitive. So how close, when they start, how close do you think they're actually going to be to uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow Warriors standard? Obviously not there, but you know, are they going to be knocking on the door or are they going to be miles off or what? Oh, we would expect them to be. They're only part-time, remember? They're not, they're not full-time. So in terms of conditioning, they're definitely a lot a lot stronger than they were playing club rugby. Uh, you know, the players are training are training incredibly hard. One thing which we won't, I'd hope we, we don't see, is the 50, 60, 70 point matches uh, that we saw last year in the Premiership. Um, there'll be a lot very competitive every game. I'd like to think, and having worked with the coaches, meeting with them every month, um, watching them train, watching them play, there's a real determination there. Uh, we've got we've got going to have six exceptional young coaches uh, wanting to do well and developing, seeing them develop their squads uh, over the next next couple of years. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that's where we want we want to be. And the, these first two years, as I said, it's, you know, it's it's not perfect early on. You know, we've got players, and I'm sure that we will get stronger. But I can already see a real difference, certainly physically, and uh, the makeup of the squads. And one or two of the squads seem to have been successful in bringing in players from other countries. Was that always part of the plan? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think a bigger. Uh thing to talk about is the uh, the 30 players, the 30 Scottish qualified players that are returning. Um, so that's two teams. So that's players are, you know, that's either new Scottish qualified players or players coming back, having having been overseas. So that's a great story. Yes, we have a number of, nowhere near 30, but we have a number of players that aren't Scottish qualified. It's always been the case. Um, playing club club land and you know, the, the, the head coaches were tasked with making sure these players that are coming in it's great to have them as long as they can influence and develop and help and help you know uh, the teams perform in the, in the competitions and and that's what they've done. They've gone out. They've they're learning how to become you know full time professional coaches. Uh, the transfer market, looking at recruitment, it's a massive part of the job selection. So um, that's what they've gone out. And I'm really excited with some of the talent that they've they've brought in. Some of the Scottish qualified players. So you know I've been to a couple of the games already. So that's going to be really exciting to see these guys. Uh, perform. And you said some of the Scottish qualified players coming back. Can you give me some names? Uh, I can give us that. Lewis Berg. So Lewis Berg's back. Um, he played. He actually played for me in the 20s uh, quite a while ago. Um, we've got a couple of props. We've got Michael Downer. We've got uh, a couple of lads from down in, um, down in air as well. I mean, I haven't got the list to me at the moment, but there are 30 there are 30 names at the moment. So, so for me, that's absolutely fantastic and that's exactly what we need um, to keep it keep it moving forward, and to show that we're, you know, we're, it's a progressive competition as well. And as somebody who's also got a role in running the academy and the under twenties, you must be looking at this as the breeding ground where you can bring players through into both of those and achieve success at the under twenties level. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so that's where that flow comes in. So, you know, when the players may be over 20 or under 20, but with myself being involved in the academy, you know, we were tasked with putting um, 30 young academy players, uh, five into each of the six uh, Super 6 teams. Um, and again, the Super 6 teams know they've got to um, make sure these players get game time. So they're tasked with starting half the games that they're available for, which is really important for their development. And then you watch the, the academy players come through. Um, then they come into the, a lot of them come into the under, under, the under 20 bracket. So playing uh, in the Six Nations and this, year, uh, this season, sorry, the Junior World Trophy, but hopefully back into the Junior World Cup. So, yeah, so I've got a, you know, a foot in a number of camps, actually, when you look across uh, the academy into the national age grade and into Super 6. So, you know, that gives me a real good handle on where these players are in their development and having those relationships with with the coaches at all these levels as well. And probably quite a valuable place to be in that you can make sure that all the bits of it are joined up. Yep, you've got to have that season flow. You've got to have that structure. Um, there's a lot of a lot of very good people working incredibly hard across all the you know, the academies, um, the, the national age grade, obviously at the pro team level as well, and the Super 6, which, you know, is very new. Um, but we're incredibly excited just to see that, that competition take off and, and see where it leads us. Um, you know, there are going to be some cracking games. As I said, I've watched, I've watched uh, a lot of training and a lot of games through the last couple of weeks. Um, and just to see the enthusiasm coming through. But, you know, for me, it's really important that... You know, we look at the players and, and providing them with an environment where they can get better regularly, consistently, and then preparing them for the next level. Sean Deneen, the SRU's Head of Development, Rugby Development, talking about the Super 6 that's coming up next weekend. The launch, I believe, is going to be the beginning of next week, and then there'll be uh, games the weekend coming up. Now, to explain what this means for Scottish rugby, I have with me on the line David Barnes from the Offside Line. Good evening, David. Always good to talk to you, but... It is going to be a big moment in Scottish rugby. It is something that they've been planning for 18 months or more, and it a lot rides on whether or not they get it right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, I mean, it's interesting to hear Sean very positive about it, as he would be. And I think, you know, it's it's not been a kind of um, straightforward conception, has it? You know, there's been kind of a, you know, a few fallouts along the way, but I suppose... We're there now that, you know, Super 6 is happening um, and, you know, for the good of Scottish rugby, we've got to hope it hope it goes well. You know, speaking to a few guys this week, I've been a bit like yourself, Lewis, I've come back from Japan and trying to catch up. Um, but I've spoken to a few people involved in Super 6 clubs this week and they're full of uh, enthusiasm for, the, you know, the standard they've seen in training. Um, Heriot's played um, Newcastle Falcons development team twice. Uh, they lost 25-6 or something on Saturday, which, you know, losing's not great, but, you know, they're, they're adamant if that had been, you know, this time last year, it would be a 50-pointer. So, you know, they feel they feel that there's real progress there, but they also recognise that there's a, a big issue in terms of, um, you know, beyond Super 6, there's, you know, I think there's a bit of scepticism about it. They know that they really need to get the message out there that this is a good thing, this is a step forward for club rugby or rugby below pro level. Um, and so there is a lot riding, as you say. But you would expect the teams who are involved in it to be keen and enthusiastic. That kind of goes with the territory. But you would also, if there is scepticism, it would be in the teams who have been 
excluded from it, who may feel that they have a right to be there and aren't the teams that uh, are going to be affected by players getting called up. They've got a big selling job to do in that part of the community, haven't they? Yeah, I think they do. And I think we need to be realistic, actually. I mean, um, you know, if you take Edinburgh as the example, um, I don't think anyone thinks that three clubs in Edinburgh, three pro, Super 6 teams in Edinburgh, is, you know, the model that we wanted. Um, you know, obviously the SRU decided that those three clubs were the ones best suited to delivering it. Um, and realistically, you know, Curry Chieftains, who are obviously very hard done by to miss out on, you know, most people's opinion, um, are they going to suddenly switch allegiance to Bury Muir and Watsonians? Probably not. You know, we're maybe not talking about, um, you know, huge crowds, you know, huge crowds are getting along. So I think, it, you know, it's just an adjustment process now that Curry have to kind of get their heads around the fact that despite all, all they've achieved in the last 20 years, you know, they have missed out on it and they can only become the best team in the Premiership. Realistically, I can't see Bury Muir, you know, dragging any of the Millenni faithful down that direction. Um, and that's just the reality. But they're probably looking for new fans, you know, if they're going to break beyond the kind of Bury Muir hardcore. It's probably people that aren't committed to clubs at the moment or committed to junior clubs. Um, in a similar way to Edinburgh and Glasgow had to do 10, 15 years ago. And you've got this slightly bizarre position where Barry Muir, you're talking about there, are actually, in terms of academy players, aligned to Glasgow, not Edinburgh, which just seems bizarre. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, there's nothing else to say, to say about that, is there, really? Um, you know, and I think, you know, and I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of loath to, you know, I, I've been fairly critical of the way that this all happened. Um, you know, the, the, the flaw is the geographic spread isn't there, so... You know, it does make sense to have three teams lined to Glasgow, three to Edinburgh. There's not enough teams on that side of the country. There's three in Edinburgh, so they, you know they've had to kind of you know Melrose down in the borders. You know, it would be, it'd be even more ridiculous if Melrose uh, aligned to Glasgow Warriors. So I suppose it's the best solution to a fairly unsatisfactory situation. Um, but going back to it, you know that that's what we've got. Um, they need, you know, to make Super Six. You know, first and foremost, to make Super Six work, they need six clubs that they believed had the infrastructure and the, you know, the finances and the, just the ability to make it work. They obviously decided that, you know, the SRU panel that chose this obviously decided this was the way to go. Um, so, you know, <laughs> we just have to kind of see how, it, you know, see how throw, you know, see how it all pans out. Indeed, indeed. I suppose the proof of the pudding is how many of these players do go on to full-time pro contract, uh, talking yeah. about which the both Edinburgh and Glasgow in action at the weekend. Glasgow first against the Southern Kings. They really need a win in that game, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I, I think, have been at the same press conferences this week. And, you know, I, and I agreed with John DL and um, who else? Oh, Dave, um, Kenny Murray. You know, and both of them said, you know, it's not it's not a crisis yet. You know, they've lost three or four games at the start of the season. You know, worse things have happened. I think um, it was a DTH that you know pointed out to us that um, you know Scarlets lost. You know, had a similar sort of record when they won the Pro 14. Yeah, but, well, they were lost their um, first three you know, games Wilkins. when they won it, and they went on to win the, two, yeah. the title. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, when does a blip become a crisis? I don't think it's there yet. But you know, Southern Kings is a, a game, and certainly Southern Kings and then Zebra after that. There are two games that a team of Glasgow's calibre should be winning. If they don't, then you start to really kind of, you know, wonder, you know, have the wheels come off? Um, and, you know, then all these questions about where Dave Rennie going, you know, become far more pertinent. You know, I'd hate to think that, you know, that the fact that he's leaving now is impacting the squad. I think that's probably coaches move. I don't think players necessarily stop playing because they know the coach might be moving on. So I don't think that is an issue. But 
all these things become, you know, a bit more heightened if, you know, if it carries on. So, yeah, they absolutely do need a result. They certainly need a better a better performance than we saw down at the Dragons last week. But unlike Edinburgh, they do have players coming back this weekend. I think I counted yeah. six or seven, including DTH and Nico, who I suppose was back last yeah. weekend but didn't play a huge amount of get a huge amount of influence yeah. in the game but uh, they have got players coming back key players being I think in particular the two halfbacks George Horn and Adam yeah. Hastings who did have actually in a team that didn't perform up to the standards they'd hoped they both had pretty good World Cups Yeah well absolutely yeah they did you know they, I mean Russia were kind of dead on their feet by the time that those two guys got their kind of big run but you know they certainly made the most of it and you know I was just I was just checking how um, you know the Glasgow teams that were put out during the Six Nations as, as I was waiting to come on there and you know wasn't you know during the Six Nations Ali Price played a few games George Horn played a few games Adam Hastings Pete Horn came in and played so you know although they kind of all those guys were involved in the Six Nations as well you know they had you know these guys who are real top quality halfbacks coming in and it seems to me that you know because they've been away they've been in Japan they've not been there and you know they've just been left a bit you know a bit kind of bare in that key position um, and so I think you know absolutely the halfbacks both of those guys come back in on a high after the Russian performance maybe not so you know buoyant after the, you know getting not too big Japan but you know they're guys that can grab a game by the scuff of the neck aren't they can, you know, really. And they can make, make things count. happen. Meanwhile, across the yeah, other side absolutely. of the of the M8, uh, Edinburgh are going yeah. like an absolute train. I mean, the, the Scarlets were unbeaten last weekend, and look what happened to them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just a win, was it? I mean, they can't, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, I think uh, anyone that put money on that was, uh, you know, <laughs> will have been dining out in the <laughs> finest restaurants of Edinburgh this week. Um, you know, and it's interesting, there's been quite a lot of chat, um, you know, uh, you know, that, you know, that, the more expansive game plan that the, you know kind of pushed by the players. I wouldn't say it was player power. I don't think Cockrell will ever give player power. But you know, you know, I think Richard Cockrell's, you know, given the players their head and said, you know, you guys want to play this more expansive game, game style, then you know, you better do it and you better do it well. And they've they've taken that on board. And actually, if you look across that back line, you know, Matt Scott and Mark Bennett in the centre, you know, that that's Simon Hickey came with a big reputation. He's not played a lot, but you know, because Yako's played so well, Yako Van der Elt, and then there's real firepower outside around it. Ironi saw and uh, Duhan van der Mer and Darcy Graham to come back. So, you know, the, you know, it's amazing how quickly the whole kind of the, the whole thing can shift, can't it, Lewis? You know, you know, the went from you know, Glasgow, you know, not so long ago, we're streets ahead of Edinburgh. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, one bad start to the season doesn't mean they're kind of, you know, you know, they're knackered. But suddenly, Edinburgh suddenly looked the more likely. You know the, the the team that are kind of looking more dangerous. So it's it's it's, it's interesting times. It is indeed, and of course, all the attention really this weekend likely to be out in Japan. Uh, two big games. Yeah. Two predictions from you, please. Two big. The first one: Wales versus South Africa. I, mean, uh, I think you'll find it's Wales against North. New Zealand. Yeah, Wales against New Zealand. Sorry, yeah, Wales against New Zealand. Was, <laughs> um, it's a tough one. I, I mean, I think New Zealand have got to win it. Wales have had so many. Um, you know, they've had injuries, you know, I kind of, and, and New Zealand, you know, had a bad game against England. I, I've just got a feeling somebody's going to pay for that. And unfortunately, it might be Wales. Um, and South Africa-England game, I thought England, you know, just took rugby to a new level against the All Blacks. Um, I can't see if England play anywhere near where they were. I mean, I think South Africa are probably slightly more suited to playing against the English than, uh, in a funny sort of way, than New Zealand are. Um, you know, you, you, 
just their style looking more abrasive, more physical up front style. But um, I can't see anyone touching England if they play anywhere near the level they played against the All Blacks. What do you think, Lewis? Both of them, to be honest. <laughs> David, I'm afraid we're out of time. Good speaking to you. Speak to you again soon. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. That's it from me. I'm afraid I won't be back next week. Scheduling changes mean it's going to be rock rather than sport next week. Hopefully be back sometime soon. But that's it from me. Good night. Love music. Live sport. The Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio.